Italian Wine Podcast. Chin Chin with Italian Wine People. This podcast has been recorded during Vivite, an event organized by the Alleanza delle Cooperative Italiane, the Alliance of Italian Corps. Hello, this is the Italian Wine Podcast with me, Monty Ward, and today's guest is Simon Pietro. He is the general manager of the Caviero Cooperative Group, which is based in Faenza, uh, which is a very nice little town in the Romagna region of, uh, we're not even going to say Emilia-Romagna, but it is kind of Emilia-Romagna, but you're in the, you're in the better half, I'm going to say that, okay? You can I send, thank you very much. Yeah, you can send me the money later to my Swiss bank account, all right? <laughs> I'll do. Just do it in three stages, though, otherwise it gets very swift. Now listen, so what, what is a cooperative group and why is Caviero a cooperative group? Caviero is a cooperative group because it was founded 52 years ago by uh, a number of uh, cops uh, that decided to put together their strength to battle and uh, put their wine in the market together and not individually. What was happening 50 years ago? Why was it so difficult then when they decided to merge and and pool their resources? 50 years ago it was very difficult for a small cop itself to go abroad to to try to market his wine to try to find an identity on its own they decided to put together a very large number of cops today there are 32 shareholders of Caviro that collectively uh, represent 37,000 hectares of land so we define Caviro the largest vineyard in Italy and together as a group they put the strength together to try to to market their products abroad so where are your main vineyard areas then? You're not selling wines from every single Italian region, are you? You have particular areas, particular regions that you're strong in. Which are those? Yes. We represent seven regions. The largest one is Romagna. About 50% of our production comes from Romagna. Then we have the other six most important regions in terms of wine or vineyards in Italy. Sicily, Apulia, Abruzzo. Veneto, Emilia, of course, the, the other side of Ooh, Romagna. <laughs> we really want to talk about Romagna today, I'm joking. And Tuscany. Right, so no Piemonte. No Piemonte yet. No Liguria, no Liguria. Trentino. Not yet. Is that because like, Trentino were already very strong in cooperatives and they're yes. well organized? Yes, yes. They so, were very well organized. They didn't decide to put together their strength with the other Romagnoli and other places, so they, they went by themselves and they're doing a wonderful job. So in terms of your key brands or key wines from all these disparate regions, do you create like a single red wine that maybe contains a bit of Sicilian wine, a bit of Romagna wine, a bit of, I don't know, whatever, whatever wine? Is that what you do? We, we, we do both. We have uh, single brands like Tavernello. Tavernello is the number one brand in Italy and uh, the number one selling brand also abroad as a single SKU, which collects wine from all the regions. So, I mean, Tavernello, often see, um, living in Italy, often see advertisements for Tavernello on the, on the TV. Why has that wine been so successful? It has been so successful because you, we need to think about what happened uh, 30 years ago when it was created. 30 years ago, it was very difficult to buy wine at an inexpensive price knowing what the origin was. You could buy wine locally, you didn't know exactly what they do with that wine. The reputation of the wine at that time wasn't so good. Tavernello was able to give a trace, to, to, to give a security, to implement a control procedure that makes sure that in every single Tavernello sold in Italy was coming from people that belonged to the co-op. 
and so it was controlled from the beginning to the end. The quality was controlled. It wasn't the best, but the price-quality ratio was very good, but it was controlled from the beginning to the end, and that at that time was very important. So if I go to my lo- local supermarket, I do see Tavanello on sale. If I buy a bottle, it's a red wine, um, there's obviously you make a white wine as well, yeah? So if I buy a bottle of red, I know it's difficult to say, but typically, what will I be drinking? Will it be Sangiovese with a bit of Nero d'Avola, or will it be Aglianico with uh, Cabernet? Is it difficult to say? Do you style it differently for different regions in Italy? No, no. We, we have a secret recipe. We don't tell exactly <laughs> what it's made of, uh, because Tavernello is... We, we sell 80 million, 80 million single pieces of, of Tavernello, so it's quite successful. And so it's sold in a Tetra Pak, isn't it? It's sold in Tetra Pak, but also in glass. We started selling Tavernello in glass about uh, five years ago, and we already reached about uh, four million bottles of Tavernello. We don't, we don't tell the, the recipe, but the recipe is made of a blend of seven different regions in a particular way that is, has been the same for the last 20 years. And what is the aim in styling that as a red wine? Are you looking for something that's uh, very concentrated or something that's a little bit sweet and fruity? How does it work? Yes, it's sweet and fruity. It's an easy wine. We don't try to be too complex. It has to be a wine that is liked, that is appealing to a very young customer as well to a very old customer, woman and men. It does not discriminate uh, along gender or age. It's a wine for everyday drinking, of course. Do you make a Tavanello? Do you make a Tavanello white as well? Yes, we do. What's that? Uh, I can't ask you what it's made from, but <laughs> obviously, and you make a, I presume you make a rosato. Yes, actually, the white is selling more than the red. Really? About sixty percent is white, thirty percent is red, and ten percent is rosato. Do you do sparkling as well? Yes, with the on the on the bottle we do sparkling. And we in terms, sorry, and in terms of um, our red wine sales of Tavanello, particularly concentrated in a particular region in Italy, and the white wines are sold in different regions or what is the percentage of sales of red and white in Italy? We sell a little bit more of white wine in the north of Italy, a little bit more of red wine in the south of Italy, but red is similar to the distribution of wine in Italy, and, uh, but the difference is little. Uh, people buy Tavernello because they know what it is. They know that it comes from those vineyards, the 37 thousand hectares and they don't like they don't buy it because it's different from any other thing it's just tavernello it's made the way has been made the way for a long time and if people like it they just buy it so if i if i'm growing grapes for your i'm part of your i'm a growing your cooperative system if i'm in uh, sicily or i'm in uh, say tuscany or Abruzzo, am i paid how am i paid am i paid on kilo or am i am i paid by the grape variety i'm growing so if i'm growing uh, say alianico and my yield is quite low because I do a lot of work in the vineyard. Do I get a higher price per kilo than, say, somebody in Sicily who's growing Nero d'Avola and his yields are three times more than me, his alcohol level is lower than mine, his quality is not as good as mine? How yes. does it work? Yes, we, we pay the vineyards, we pay our uh, shareholders, which are co-ops, which in turn they pay the, the winemaker based on the variety of the grape. So certainly certain 
variety are, are paid better than others. Okay, what, like what? what are the popular ones now? What are the, what are the most expensive ones? Certainly the most expensive are Chianti, uh, Sangiovese, Sangiovese for, for a certain extent, Prosecco and Pinot Grigio, the very common wine, while other varieties uh, like uh, Trebbiano in Romagna or Trebbiano in Puglia are certainly paid well, but not as much as, as the others. So it's very market-oriented then, isn't absolutely. it? Okay. Absolutely. Also because, as you know, from the same actor of land, you, you, you grow more Trebbiano than Pinot Grigio. So it's natural that the one type will be paid more than the other because the harvest in quantity is different. What, what do you think the future is for cooperative wine growing in general in Italy, not just from your perspective at Caviador, but in general? Do you think, my impression is that often it's a lot of old white men growing grapes just like their grandfathers did, but they don't have any successes. It's the daughter or the granddaughters are not taking over, they're not interested, there's no incentive for them to do it. They'd much rather be in an office, air-conditioned, in front of their iPad. Is that true? Very good point, very good point. I come from two previous experience managing wineries that belong to private shareholders, and this is my first experience in a co-op. I like the co-op model because I believe uh, that in general, in the future, companies must be larger, must have more finance to promote their products, must have uh, projects to do something new, and only large entities can do it. The co-op model is an interesting model because it can put together a lot of uh, different uh, vineyards and winemakers in different regions and do one project. Tavernello is an example. We are launching a new project uh, for the next year. There is a completely different wine in a completely different shape, and we are collecting wine from uh, all the regions. And they cannot do it by themselves. They don't have the strength of Caviro, they don't have the, the finance of Caviro. So I think as a model, it can work. Of course, as compared to a butler, to a private butler, uh, the costs are higher. So the quality must be better and the, and the people must appreciate that it comes from a co-op instead of a, a private butler. See, it's funny how strong the cooperative system is in Italy because the classic view of Italy, Italy or Italian people is they're highly individualistic, highly creative, not easy to work together. But the cooperative system here is still very strong. You, maybe it has declined recently in terms, of, uh, in terms of the numbers of growers who are affiliated to cooperatives, but that's, I would say that's probably a general trend anyway. Yeah? I think so. I think it's a general trend and we, tried, we, we must stop that. Being a, being but how a, though? I think we must start going back to our culture. Our culture is identified with wine. And now instead, we, a lot of people are against wine. They see only the evil aspect of wine. Drinking and driving, to young people drinking. Wine is part of our culture and it's part of the culture of Europe. So we, try, we must try to bring back those values to have a larger number of people drinking so we have a larger number of people growing grapes. But with climate change, you're going to, we're going to get wines that have more alcohol. So what about styling? I mean, Tavernello, do you make a, like a low-alcohol version yes, or a no-alcohol yes. version? Yes, it's very simple. You just harvest a little bit earlier, and so there is less sugar content in the grape and less alcohol at the end. Or you can strip out alcohol after the process is done. There, there, are, there are ways to make lower alcoholic and lower calories wine. 
and that's what we are working on. So what are the main consumption trends in Italy at the moment then, just overall, not just for Tavanello, for your particular brand or the other brands that Cavarero has a group, but in general, are people drinking more, are they drinking less, are they drinking less but better? They are drinking less but better, they are drinking more sparkling, they are drinking more outside of dinner and lunch, they are drinking for aperitif, for meditation, they are adopting a style that is different from our fathers, they used to drink heavily during the meals, and we just use wine more of a, of a, of a, of a way of interacting with each other. So is there a future for spritzers, like very, very low alcohol wines with fizzy water added to them? You know, the Asti Spumante, for example, is what, five degrees alcohol. Is that, you think, there could be a few, even for red and rosé wines at a really, really low alcohol? I think so. I think so. We are working on that, and we believe that it's right. So are you targeting that idea for the Italian market or even for the Scandinavian markets or the American markets, the Chinese market? All over the world. We believe the trend that is all over the world because people are more concerned about the calorie intake, they're more concerned about being able to drink and still driving, still going to work, and they're concerned about able to drink at a young age where they come from beer and from other low alcoholic uh, beverages. So we think it's a global trend and we need to target that with particular products. But isn't one of the ironies though that if you're targeting younger people for these, uh, I think it, what you said is makes absolute sense in terms of what the market is saying for, for younger people, but isn't the demographic of the people growing those grapes, the old white men that we traditionally associate with wine cooperatives, and the statistics do suggest that that kind of is the main demographic of production. When that generation dies off, who's going to be the one that's, who, are the, who will be growing the grapes for these low alcohol wines for the younger generation that doesn't want to go and work in a hot field all day long pruning vines or plowing them? How can you change that? It's what can you do at a government level? Yeah. Oh, at a government level, I don't know. I know what Caviro can do. Caviro must put in place laboratories for young people uh, they want to approach vineyards, not because their father and grandfather did it. must not be something that I need to do it because I don't have any other choice. We, need to, we want to attract young people that come from different sectors and give them the possibility of growing grapes, making wine and selling wine. So when you say a laboratory, you're not actually talking about a laboratory building, you're talking about areas where, um, yes. like a sort of, yes. not university, but um, work experience in vineyards. Working experience in vineyards. To, to, give, to give them a taste of what the outdoor life could be. Yes. We believe that even today, for a young, uh, for the young generation, for a, for a for a person of the 25, 30 years old of age, growing vineyards and making wine can be a better job than many other jobs that are around. Even if it doesn't come from bread tradition, we he needs to have some somebody helping them to approach the market. Otherwise, the investment is too high. Because I think the last Tavanello advert I saw on TV, very well filmed. I have to say, brilliant. Thank you. Lovely soft sunlight, and the old guy classic guy with his beret that had kind of delivered the grapes and the truck or the trailer taking them away there were some younger people there like a very obviously attractive lady I think <laughs> a mum and possibly with her kids and I was thinking are these kids actually going to be able to follow their granddad into the into the vineyard or are they just going to go home and, and, and drink the Tavanello and switch the football on? It, it, it's a very difficult challenge. It's a absolutely a difficult challenge. I don't know what they can do at government level. I believe they should stop only looking at the evil, at the bad aspect of wine. Wine has a lot of good aspects, uh, but nobody talks about them. Uh, it's much easier to say, don't drink if you are pregnant, don't drink if you are more than 60, uh, don't drink if you're below 18. Uh, nobody says that a good glass of wine at each meal is good for you.
Yeah. Okay. And we try to do that as Caviro. So one last question. What is the next, um, for Caviro, what's the next uh, step? What have you got in the pipeline? Any new initiatives that are coming on stream in the future, in the near future? Yes, we have. We are working on a new sparkling wine, uh, because the trend now is sparkling. Something that comes from our, our base, our shareholders. Something that is new, completely new in taste, in alcohol level, and, and also in, in perception. Uh, with people, maybe through drink with other aperitives, and it should be launched by Vinitari this year. Great. So, Simon Pietro Felice from the Cavero Cooperative Group. It's been a real pleasure to talk to you. Very interesting to hear about Tavernello, which is, uh, if you haven't heard of Tavernello, you haven't lived, basically, because it's such an important <laughs> part of, uh, everybody knows the word Tavernello in, in Italy. Nice to hear about that. Great to meet you. And uh, we're definitely on the same page when it comes to the future, both in terms of what people should drink and how it should be grown. I'm very, very into this idea that younger people can um, get involved in, in wine. Otherwise, none of us are going to have a job in the future or anything to drink either, which would be a tragedy. Yes. Really nice to meet you, and I wish you Thank and you, your group every success, your corporate group every success, and I uh, hope you. to see you over a glass of Tavernale sometime. We'll do our best. Thank, Thank you. you very much. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. This episode has been brought to you by Vinitali 2018, taking place in Verona from April 15th to 18th. Vinitali is the wine exhibition that helps you discover and get to know Italian wine and features over 4,200 wineries. Follow Italian Wine Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. 